Welcome to the Tiwahanga Infrastructure for a Better Future podcast, a series where we talk to experts both from here and overseas about the infrastructure challenges we are facing. As discussed in Tiwahanga's New Zealand infrastructure strategy, we need our cities to be attractive and inclusive places to live. An important aspect of achieving this is ensuring our public spaces are accessible to everyone. To explore this further, in this podcast, we'd like to take a closer look at some of the work that's been done by two of Auckland Transport's advisory groups, the Public Transport Advisory Group and the Capital Projects Advisory Group. A couple of examples of the many successes of the advisory groups have been the adoption and implementation of Auckland Transport's Accessibility Action Plan, the development of accessibility audit tools that can be used to assess the accessibility of existing infrastructure, and the development of the new train network with all stations now at a uniform height across the network. Last year, the advisory groups helped to staff design and implement the new Plus One Bus Companion Concession, which will enable the support person of a total mobility cardholder to travel at no charge when travelling together with a total mobility cardholder. This currently applies to buses, and they're looking to expand this to also include rail and ferry. We're joined today by Chris Orr and Alison McClellan, who between them have more than 50 years of combined service on a range of Auckland Transport's accessibility advisory groups. On the advisory groups, Chris represented Blind Low Vision NZ and Alison represented Headway, the Brain Injury Association Auckland. Alison and Chris both retired from those advisory groups last year. Thanks to both of you for joining us. Alison, could you talk a little bit about how you got involved in the Brain Injury Association and how that work led to you getting involved with transport issues? Um, well, in, uh, in 1976, my son suffered a very serious TBI. Um, which left him severely disabled and having to live in residential care. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm a founding member of the Head Injury Society that was formed in 1981 and that is now the Brain Injury Association. I was the first treasurer and did the financials. And in 1990, 99, we, um, the Stroke Foundation CEO suggested to my CEO that if we had a person that could go onto the um, advisory board at that time, um, which was elected. And I was lucky enough to be voted on and my application accepted. So, and at that time, um, I felt that we needed to help accessibility because at that in that time nobody in a wheelchair could travel by bus. Right. Yeah. So um travel was very difficult for the disabled and uh, people in wheelchairs. So that that's what started me way back then. Um and it just went on from there. So, Chris, you've worked on accessibility and transport issues at both the regional and national level. Can you tell us how that work has changed over time? So you talked about the needs to be both a structural and an attitudinal shift. Um, in particular, it would be great to hear about the work the advisory groups have been involved in with Waka Kotahi. Yeah, the, with Waka Kotahi, mm-hmm. it's only been in recent years that we started working with the mm-hmm. as a combined group with mm-hmm. Waka Kotahi. Prior to that, mm-hmm different organisations had been advocating for their particular group. In my mm-hmm. instances, it was on behalf of people who are blind or have low vision. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was my focus, and I started working with uh, somebody from CCS Disability Action and somebody mm-hmm. with Deaf Aotearoa to try and mm-hmm. get a combined approach 
which suited both the local government teams we were working with and, of course, later the Ministry of Transport, Waka Kotahi. And that's where it really started, was actually trying to get a combined approach rather than me or mm. somebody from CCS or Brain Injury Association or yeah. whatever it happened to be. When you get that combined approach, it becomes very difficult to then not engage. And mm-hmm. that's when it really, it really started to make headway was when we all combined. We were all yep. having successes at a local level, uh, particularly in Auckland here. It was um, You may or may not be aware that it's only in recent years we've become the super city. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, we had seven local mm-hmm. authorities, all of whom <laughs> had different policies and practices. Right. So you had to engage with all of those, and then you had to engage with Hamilton City Council and Waikato Regional Council and Dunedin City, all those different councils, all of whom had different rules. So that was when we started to really make traction, was when we had combined advisory groups to advise and work with, and I think that's quite important to to Mm. emphasise, it's that... Mm. You're working with, so it wasn't an adversarial type of approach. That did happen a little bit in the early days where you started to work together to achieve a better standard of transport. Um, And then it's a two-way thing that we would go to, say, Waka Kotahi, and Waka Kotahi would come to us. (laughs) And that was when we really started to make big strides. But it took a long time. Uh, it was an incremental process, if you like, small mm-hmm. steps and another small step and another small step, and all of a sudden, you've gained meters. And I and I think that's the, one of the important things to recognise is that many many people have put the whole pieces of the jigsaw together. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's a long answer to your question, <laughs> but I think it's it's important to see where we've come from. Yeah. To where we are today. Cause, so what's the time frame that we're talking about that? We're going back how many years here? Oh, uh, when mm. I first started working with, um, it was a couple of local councils. It would have been the early 90s, a little bit, um, mm. just going back a bit. I'd started doing a lot of advocacy work when I worked at the Blind Low Visions Guide Dog Centre. Mm-hmm. I, where I was the um, working with uh, communications and with fundraising. And we mm. started to look at uh, people recognise the uh, access issues around guide dogs mm-hmm. going yeah. into public places. And then my role changed. And it just, so that would be the early 1990s. But as you moved into the super city and Auckland Transport, was it easier to engage with one group versus? the different local councils? I I found that at the beginning, when I was first on, (laughs) that um, the the leaders of the the, uh, councils coming on, because of new elections every three years, they changed. So you never got a rapport with them. But then, then we started, like Chris said, and got good leaders that had a real commitment 
to the availability to safe and secure travel for all, not mm-hmm. only disabled, but for all. Yeah, I agree. I think that the, the big difference when AT came, and before that I was on the Auckland Regional Council Land Transport Committee yeah. as an appointed mm-hmm. member, and that yeah. represented the whole area. But where it changed with Auckland Transport and the establishment yeah. of PTAG and CPAG was we're inside exactly. the tent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were inside the tent, and that made a right. hell of a difference. And that did. we were yes. part of the AT setup. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Rather than being and, and, outside and looking in, we were mm-hmm. yep. inside. Mm-hmm. And, and don't you think that, that they started to see that we were there in our role to make sure, not to interfere, but to make sure that their money was spent well as well? Yeah, I think that was part of it, but the mm. and and I think you're dead right. It was money well spent because people mm. always see public transport as being an expensive exercise. Yeah. Um, but it's an it's a necessity in a modern world. But I think that when we had that quantum leap was when it was set up that project by project, yes, people would come to both. PTAG and CPAG to develop Mm -hmm. them before they made the design, the standard or whatever, there was input from our group so that, oh, we've developed this plan, we've developed this standard, what do you think? It was, we're developing this standard and here's what we think now, help us to get to the end product. Mm -hmm. It's a holistic approach. Yep. Yeah. And rather than when I was talking about when started working with CCS, Disability Action and Deaf Aotearoa, we were taking a much more holistic approach to the whole mm. process and saying mm-hmm. all of us needed to be there. And that yeah. was the word you mentioned before was the attitudinal change mm-hmm. that started to happen yep. then. And the, the attitudes right. changed towards... Uh, the, the, they're different people out there. With the, the, they're, they're disabled, and we've got to do the right thing by them. So here's a good thing to do, as opposed to this is the right thing to do. There's a difference mm-hmm. between the right thing to do and the good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. They weren't doing us a favour. <laughs> right. You know, and, and that was what the attitude was. You poor, this is mm-hmm. going back 40 years or so now, you poor poor blind people or you poor disabled people, because the world is a hugely different. I lost my sight in 1974, mm-hmm. and it's been amazing watching the world change yeah. around me as attitudes mm-hmm. have changed, mm-hmm. the way people work together has changed. Mm-hmm. It is a totally yeah. different world now than yeah. what it was when I lost my sight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Yeah, we've gone ahead in leaps and bounds, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're not there yet. No, we certainly are not. There is a lot of uh, a lot of things that the new board, the new advisory um, group, need to um, look into, especially with the new terminals and things that are being built down the, the motorways. Yeah, well, I think we've all learnt from each other. And Jane, I think that might be important to emphasise that yeah. all of the people in those groups, we've learnt from each other. 
We have that it, it's not just about blindness or brain injury or physical no. impairment or but there's because sometimes the needs of deaf are different than the needs of blind mm-hmm. or people people with wheelchairs as opposed to a walker or whatever mm-hmm. and that's the one of the big things is that, that as I was saying before the holistic approach is what has made it very successful. Oh, exactly. Yes, yes. And and I must say, Chris, that the, the leadership um, of the last recent years, um, yes, it's it's made it all worthwhile. And I th- I felt coming away from those meetings feeling, ah, oh, at last we're getting somewhere. I was going to just come back to your comment earlier around everyone learning from each other if you were to give advice to local and central government agencies wanting to set up advisory groups or build relationships with advisory groups what advice would you Mm. give them the big thing is recruiting the right people Mm -hmm. yep because sometimes you can get people in areas and who are doing fantastic work but they often come at it from their own personal perspective, Mm -hmm. right? Rather than taking their holistic approach to working with and alongside, uh, we'll use Waka Kotaki Kotaki, as an example, in that now they're selecting the right people with advice, Mm -hmm. the right people to give them the right information so that they can get things right before or add to something mm-hmm. to make it better. Um, I think one of the things that is an example is the Aotearoa Pedestrian Network Design Guide. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a mouthful, isn't it? Somebody will make <laughs> up an acronym about it at some stage. Always an acronym. Um, always an acronym, but that's about footpaths. Mm-hmm. Yes. and getting footpaths designed properly and how mm-hmm. to design a good intersection yep. and roads, uh, pedestrian crossings, all that sort of stuff is all in that guide. Mm-hmm. So it's fairly yep. comprehensive. Mm-hmm. So Waka Kotahi have chosen good people and or approached good people or mm-hmm. an organisation to get the right person appointed because they realise mm-hmm. with that assistance, that advice, they're going to get a better product. For me, one of the highlights has been the change in the uh, buses and trains and ferries in terms of their physical access. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you talked about one kneeling the, buses and things before. Yeah, yeah kneeling buses. That mm-hmm. For me, mm-hmm. I, as a regular train traveller, you know I travel on the train for 40 years going mm-hmm. in and out of Auckland. And for going back from the old 1940s uh, <laughs> carriages to the ones we've got today, and what a privilege it was for me to work on developing the rail network to a 21st century network mm-hmm. with electric mm-hmm. trains and doors that open automatically, mm-hmm. all yeah. the ramps being the same height, accessible ticketing machines. And one of the really interesting things, remember I talked about ramps mm-hmm. before, when they first put ramps on trains, the train guard would have to run around, see somebody on a on a, a platform with a wheelchair, 
run around and get the ramp <laughs> and get it to the door closest to where the person was waiting, put the ramp down, the person would then get on the train and sit somewhere handy because there was no designated space that a wheelchair right. could park themselves easily. The train manager would then pick up the the ramp, take it away back and stow it away and tie it up. So that would take quite some time. Mm-hmm. And yep. But now with the new trains here in Auckland, the trains pull up, there's a designated spot on the platform which has the international symbol of access. Mm-hmm. It also has a, um, a, a tactile uh, design on it so a person with a cane can pick it up. It's mm-hmm. got high visibility mm-hmm. yellow. And when yep. the train stops, it stops immediately opposite that. And before the doors open, a ramp is automatically deployed and it senses the edge of the platform so that it's almost flat access getting mm-hmm. into the train. That was so much fun doing that. <laughs> it was just yeah. so much fun. It was like having your own train set. It was big. <laughs> so a lot better than the old system, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's a real highlight, getting that and, the, yeah. and access to the ferries um, mm-hmm. and all of that sort of stuff and, and the buses because the one of the big things for us as, as a blind community will be that over the next little while, every bus stop in Auckland will have audio announcements, mm-hmm. both in Tyrell and English. Yep. So that's yep. 7,000 bus stops. Every bus in the Auckland network will have, and that was huge for us as blind folk, yeah. knowing where the I hell think it's huge me, for anybody. Knowing where to get mm-hmm. off. Yeah. Even the Yep. Even the ones with brain injury uh, to be able to have the audible uh, right. because of their um, inability to actually read mm-hmm. what's what's written on the timetable. So that is a great – it's a great advantage, I think, for everybody. Yeah. No, you've definitely been busy over the last couple – oh, what do we look, say, last 50 been, years between you? Well, but, yeah, it's been, but, it's, it's been a labour of love for me because it's benefited me, don't forget. Mm-hmm. So I'm being bloody selfish. Where I want <laughs> well, the trains to work. But it's benefited that, you know? the rest of us too. Oh, so. oh absolutely. We I think you're being, don't, don't think you're being modest, Chris. <laughs> you're being very modest, Chris. You you really worked hard on that. And and I I sort of feel that um I achieved a lot for my brain injured as well. Mm-hmm to be able to travel more secure and safe mm-hmm. and to be able to access around Auckland uh, far easier than ever before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, think the, we, the we can, yep. yeah, we can, we can bow out sort of knowing that we've done the groundwork and, um, Let's hope they keep it up. I know they will keep it up. Yeah, they okay. will because the, the big word in the end, Jane, is independence. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. That That's what having a good public transport infrastructure network, bridges and roads and yep. intersections, footpaths, all mm-hmm. of that sort of stuff, what it does is gives people 
independence Mm -hmm. so they can travel on their own as opposed Mm -hmm. to relying upon somebody else. There's always a little bit of reliance, but sighted people Mm. and people who are perfectly able still need a little bit of assistance every now and then. Exactly. Yeah. Now, thank you very much, both of you, for speaking with us. Um, You're welcome. (laughs) Wonderful. So I just want to know, late last year, you both retired from the advisory groups now, but Auckland Transport publicly recognised the incredible difference the advisory groups have made, so not just for Auckland, but for wider New Zealand. And that goes back to your point, Chris, that it's not just for you, it's not just members for the advisory group, but I think we all benefit when it's easier to get around. So thank you. Thanks for listening to Infrastructure for a Better Future. To find out more about the infrastructure challenges we are facing, visit strategy.tiwahanga.govt.nz.